Hey, Rob, I think it's time for another bonus track episode. I think a bonus track episode is a perfect idea. How you doing, Joseph? I'm I'm doing okay. Uh, there's a my main motivation for this sort of emergency bonus episode is the fact that um, we have messed up before, had little screw ups and stuff. But this is this is a biggie. <laughs> um, so I, I just recently discovered that, um, we missed a pretty important album f- that was released in January of 79 <laughs> and what? that is Joe Jackson's <laughs> debut album, Look Sharp. I don't know how it happened. Yeah. I got his other albums into the database, but somehow that one didn't get in. So I was horrified. I mean, we've we've even talked about Joe Jackson yeah, yeah, and yeah. about how excited I was that he was coming up. Yeah. And and he had already actually released his his first album. I'm surprised we didn't get called out by yeah. by somebody. Well, especially <laughs> since we t- especially since we talked about what a huge fan of his work you are. You know, I mean, yeah. That's yep. that's I, I anyway. <laughs> Here we are now. <laughs> yeah, so we're just going to, you know, pretend that this is a part of the January 79 episode and just talk about this album like we normally would. Although we'll add an extra song, so we're going to listen to three songs to kind of compensate for our tardiness. Yeah, cool. Um, so that's exciting. Um, you are... Um, not terribly familiar with Joe Jackson, or at least yeah. weren't before you you uh, sat down to listen to this album. That's right. Well, you know the funny thing is, is of course, listening to his music. I mean, I've heard his music forever. It's mm. it's n- nothing that I ever sought out. It's nothing that I ever cared to listen to. Um, mm-hmm. I just never really found it all that interesting, and and so. I knew of Joe Jackson. I knew that people were inspired by him. I knew that people really were into his music. And I knew some of those people. I mean, you yourself including, included. But but he was never anybody that I put in my library of music, you know, my catalog. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, but when I listened to this first album, of course, a couple of the songs really rang, rang some bells there. And I was like, oh, wait yeah. a minute. I know these songs. So... Cool. Well, before we get into that, um, just uh, there's a little bit of like business housekeeping stuff yes. we should uh, we should take okay. care of real quick. I uh, want to remind everybody that the Patty Smith Deep Dive is happening this month still. So there's still something to look forward to. Probably going to be the last Sunday. Of, well, at this point, I think it's almost certainly going to be the last Sunday of the month. Uh, but it's going to happen. Right, Rob? Absolutely. No, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm pretty jazzed about the Patty Smith episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, this is, Patty Smith has always been a bit of a blind spot for, for me. I think that what you just described, your attitude about Joe Jackson, that's kind yeah. of how I felt about <laughs> pa- about Patty Smith. So, gotcha. So I am, uh, you know, I'm, uh, it's way, way overdue that I sit down and, you know, 
take my medicine and and do the right thing and become uh, much more familiar with her work. So oh, cool. I'm, I'm looking yeah. forward to that. Also, we should probably remind everybody that uh, because we are one third of the way through 1979, uh, it's about time for us to take a little breather. So July is going to be the podcast equivalent of a mental health day for us. Uh, we will release something, but it won't be any regular sort of episode. And then in August, we're going to jump back in. I believe that we're covering June and July once we start back up yeah. again. So, yeah. uh, which is awesome. There are some extraordinary, really some of some of the absolutely most iconic uh new wave post-punk albums are released in the second half of 79 and there's a couple of like major ones that we're gonna tackle in june july so so excited about that yeah i'm i'm pretty stoked actually too i i was thinking about all the music that's coming out in that era and mm. and it's it's almost I mean, it's almost too much. It's going to be overwhelming, I think, <laughs> but it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, we are actually going to, I believe that the next two months um, will be, we won't have any deep dives because there's so many albums released that we actually have to spend both of the episodes for that month just covering yeah. the releases. So uh, the uh, the dam has burst open, <laughs> and uh, the flood is a coming. <laughs> Great, looking forward to it. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, anything else, like business-wise, you wanna you wanna touch on before we get into it? Not on this end. I'm I'm looking forward okay. to to learning a little bit about Joe Jackson here. <laughs> okay. Well, actually, before we talk about the Joe Jackson album, uh, we need to talk about Andy Fletcher. Ah, uh, right? we do. Yes, absolutely. So, uh, Andy Fletcher uh, was a founding member of Depeche Mode, and he recently passed away. Yeah, so from what I understand, Andy Fletcher was... Um, I Well, now correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, you, you, probably, you probably know some of the same things about this, but Andy Fletcher to me sounds like somebody who didn't get a whole lot of credit uh, with the band Depeche Mode. Well, uh so um are you a are you a a big Depeche Mode fan? I well, I was a bigger Depeche Mode fan back in the day. I I like them a lot. Um but I yeah. wouldn't call myself a giant fan of theirs. I mean, you know, I like them just as much as everybody else, I think. Yeah, I I don't think that they they landed on either of our top ten new wave right, bands right. lists, right? Right. Um, so I've you know I I have owned my fair share of Depeche Mode albums, um, and I always like them um, a fair amount, quite a bit. I mean, I they were sometimes they got a little like poppy for me. Mm -hmm. But I would take them over, like, 
Duran Duran, or oh, yeah. I took them much more seriously than like the 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 super pop mainstream sort of new wave bands. Uh, I always felt like uh, Depeche Mode had had a lot more meat to them, particularly mm -hmm. in their earlier stuff. But I was never like into them enough to know the names of the band members or what roles you know what instruments each member played and who did the songwriting and everything yeah, yeah. so so when we so when we were talking about you know the fact that Andy Fletcher had passed away and we should note it here my my thought was okay well we'll each pick uh, a song written by Andy Fletcher and then we quickly realized oh wait he didn't write any of the songs so we go okay well let's pick a song where where he he was a lead singer oh Andy Fletcher really wasn't the lead singer of any of the songs so that's when we were going wait wait exactly what did he do yeah yeah so so he was a founding member and he was in every phase of the band so from beginning to end he was always a part of it i think in 1995 or sometime in the mid 90s they went down to a trio uh -huh. and he was a part of that um and my understanding is he was an absolutely essential part of the band but i think more as far as the um keeping the the balance right internally in the band which yeah. is super duper duper important so yeah. he was the bridge between the two creatives and he was sort of the manager at certain phases and he was the spokesperson and uh kind of the ballast that that helped keep it all together but he didn't do any of the songwriting didn't wasn't a lead singer and it seemed like the f the further they went along the less he had to do musically with the music that they were creating uh. um so it seemed um it it seems totally weird not to play a Depeche Mode song when we we're talking about you know Andy Fletcher. So what I ended up doing was I went and looked at like all of the releases and all of the singles and then picked the single that he had the most credits on as far as you know doing some backup vocals and doing uh, keyboards and sequencing da da da. Um, and so that left us with one of the uh, very first singles that was released by Depeche Mode um, called New Life. So I thought we would listen to that.
important to realize that uh, Andy played the uh, synthesizer, played the keyboards um, and, and bass, you know, uh, at various stages. I mean, he did all kinds of stuff. But listen to that, man. I mean, you know, he, that song right there is all about the synthesizer and the keyboards. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think we can thank Andy Fletcher for that. Well, you know, there were um, uh, a couple of uh, variations of the band before they became Depeche Mode and before they actually right. started releasing anything. And I think that he was, earlier on, he he was playing a lot of bass and, mm-hmm. and um, in those versions of the band. But I think by the time that they actually st- released uh, their first album, Speak and Spell... He wasn't really playing bass much um, yeah, and doing yeah. more synth- synthesizers and backup vocals. That's that's my understanding. Definitely not a Depeche Mode expert. You know, it feels <laughs> this is this is probably just a Joseph thing, but it feels kind of weird talking about Depeche Mode because we haven't introduced them yet in the timeline. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Is that? Yeah. We're, we're going to end up is, circling back. Is that back. just me? <laughs> yeah. We're going to end up circling back and go, okay, we talked about these guys, but here's their debut album. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did, yeah. You know, yeah. I did find a bit of a quote. Um, I'm going to totally misquote this because I have since lost this quote, but um, it was something to the effect of uh, there was a critic talking about, um, I think it was an, it was like a, an awards event and Depeche Mode was there, and he said that, uh, you know, David is here for being the singer of the band, Martin is here for for his songwriting, and, uh, well, Andy's here for the photo op. And I thought that was a bit of a slight, but reading something that Andy himself had said, he said, oh, yeah, uh, you know, Martin Gore does the writing, and David does the singing, and I'm just... Uh, bumming around or something to that effect you know he yeah was, he was kind of uh i don't know he was kind of like that and he was kind of humble in his connection but yeah he was like a link he was a very important link to the band yeah he was he he's definitely a bit of the uh a punch you know the punch line um when yeah. people joked about about depeche mode but um uh you don't you don't start out as one of the founding members of a band and then gosh 50 years later uh, 40 years later be one of the three remaining yeah. members of the band without having uh, without being an absolutely essential part of that that's, that's for um, sure so but it's just it's a little bit of a a mystery about exactly, um, you know, what he contributed to the music part of it throughout the years. I think he was he was more of a an important structural part of the the dichotomy of the band itself staying together and being productive. But, yeah. So anyways, uh, pouring one out for Andy Fletcher, and of course, um, uh, not this season, but uh, very, very soon, we're going to start 
talking about Depeche Mode and then we will never stop talking about Depeche yeah, Mode. I don't that think. is the truth. <laughs> okay, so let's move on to Look Sharp. This, of course, is the debut uh, album from Joe Jackson. So anyone who was excited that, thinking we were going to talk about the Roxette album, I'm sorry to disappoint you. Well, we're talking about Joe Jackson. <laughs> yeah. And of course, released in January of 1979. So um, I certainly have a lot to say about this album, but uh, I want to, um, you have hinted even just as we chatted a minute ago and then in the email that you sent me earlier this week, um, that you're not like super on board with this album. So tell me about that. Um, yeah, well, okay. So, so like I said, I, I was, I, you know, I knew his name. I knew that I had heard his music. Um, and, and when I started listening to this album, I'm like, oh yeah, I know why I was never a huge fan of his. Um, to me, his music is a lot. It reminds me a lot of Elvis Costello. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you know how I feel about that. It's, it, to me, it's just the energy and the, the sound is just not something I'm into. It, to me, it feels sleepy. Um, mm. now I say that, but there are some Joe Jackson songs on this album that have some kick to them and, uh, and some not so sleepy energy. So I'm, I am totally open to you know, changing my train of thought, especially since my train of thought was something that I formed, I don't know, you know, 30, 40 years ago. So, so I'm, I'm ready to listen in and, and maybe learn something new, but, but yeah. And so, so listening to this album, did that sort of like just confirm and reinforce your your previous your earlier feelings about Joe Jackson, or were there any discoveries well, in this album? Yeah, I mean, there were some discoveries. It the 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 first song um, that I of course recognized was um, "Is She Going Out with Him," which is you know a huge hit, and mm-hmm. that of course was I'm like oh yeah no I totally know this song, and that's probably the only song that I that I really knew. I mean I recognized mm-hmm. other stuff, but you know and there was some of that sleepy stuff. But then I start listening and there's some like kind of nice guitar in there. Mm-hmm. And the energy behind the guitar, and it—I don't know—it kicked up, and and there's a couple songs that have a little more punch and a little more kick than than I expected, and I find I kind of found myself digging them, and I have been singing those songs in my head all, well, for the last three days, really. Yeah. So <laughs> I can't get them out of my head. I've got earworms crawling all over me. Yeah. Well, um, I gotta say that I don't completely disagree with you on this album Uh, I'm a a little surprised myself uh, particularly I mean you know I I was raving about Joe Jackson a couple of episodes ago when we were talking about Graham Parker I realized as I listened to Look Sharp um, for the first time uh, you, you know in the last week um, that I probably haven't heard this album in 20 years. I, in uh-huh. the early 90s, I got like his first three albums and remember 
liking them a lot, but I think I was conflating the different albums. Now, of course, he releases two albums in 1979. So um, I'm the Man comes out in the second half of the year. And it was so hard for me to not like peek ahead and go back and and listen (laughs) to that album uh, to kind of because once again, haven't listened to it in probably 20 years. I think that in my head, I was thinking that I was transferring my enthusiasm for that album to this album, but I'm not sure. Maybe I'm just not as crazy about that kind of music, and the and uh, my my reaction will be the same for um, for I'm the Man. But um, I like it. I like Look Sharp, uh-huh. um, and I think that I mean for for a debut album. He's like got his shit together. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's not like you you look you think about like a band like Japan and their debut album and how they just didn't know, you know, they were kind of like not dialed into what their essence should be about. Joe Jackson is not like that. I mean, he is so smart and such a good song smith men songsmithmen <laughs> i think songs to coin a phrase <laughs> i i had forgotten that there were there were a lot of songs that were just way too derivative of 50s and 60s yeah. rock for for me to to get on board yeah it's that, it's that twingy guitar yeah oh. and you know what he he does those songs he does well sure but yeah. it's just not it's just not my my kind of thing. You know, I just had a thought. So this is this album sounds fairly pub rocky to me in the same way of like Graham Parker. Uh-huh. I like the kind of like pub rock that I like is different than the kind of pub rock that you like. Uh-huh. So I kind of like the like the nerdy snarky smart alecky kind of pub rock like Elvis Costello and Joe Jackson and and Graham Parker whereas you like the more like straightforward blue collar pub rock yeah. like the Saints right yeah. throw are, a beer, throw, throw a beer yeah, down yeah. and throw a punch at a guy yeah that's, yeah, that's, yeah 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 <laughs> so those are those those are both Definitely pub rock, but very yeah. different like True. things. And I think that I gravitate more towards the the smart nerdy stuff, whereas you you gravitate more towards the been working in the mine all week and going out to a bar kind of a thing. <laughs> That's kind of how I feel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, anyways, let's uh, let's talk about this album a little bit. Um, the big hit was Is She Really Going Out With Him? Which, um, you know, I don't think was a, a huge radio hit at the time here in the United States, but since then has become a oh, yeah. classic rock staple. I mean, you you hear it on classic rock radio and playlists and stuff here a lot. Even now, um, yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah, and um, 
Rolling Stone uh, says that it's the uh, 22nd best album cover of all time. Oh, yeah. That's that's interesting. Yeah. So this is, those of you who are not familiar with it, it's a picture of Joe Jackson's shoes, and he's got some sort of fancy... What do you what what kind of what, what are those yeah. kind of shoes? I don't I I don't know, but they're they're like really pointy toed dress shoes. <laughs> they're the, they're the kind of shoes that that Mr. Burns on The Simpsons would wear. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I uh, like just a half hour ago, I listened to this album again, and um, you know, one of the nice things about having a podcast about music is it forces you to be more analytical about why you like or dislike something. So, you know, when you're trying to have an intelligent conversation um, about music, you can't just say, oh, I like it or I don't like it. And I'm a real realizing that I'm really kind of all about the bass. I'm a bass guy uh-huh. yeah. uh, because the um, there is a lot of excellent bass on this album. The the bass player is just absolutely top notch, and the the songs that I like the most are the ones that really have driving bass lines. Oh, that's very cool. So, yeah, yeah. So that is that is sort of like the big takeaway for for me for this album is that um, the 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 bass is is just kind of that and Joe Jackson's songwriting chops, yeah. which are excellent. Uh, unfortunately, he just goes into a bunch of like derivative genres that don't do much for me. So we go, we're going to listen to three songs. I picked two, you picked one. So let's start out with um, the song Sunday Paper. Brothers heading that way now, I guess. He just read something, made his face turn blue. Well, I got nothing against the press. They wouldn't print it if it wasn't true. Position. You can read it in the Sunday papers. Read it in the Sunday papers. Sunday papers. Ask no questions. Sunday papers. No lies. Sunday papers. Raise objections. Sunday papers. Got no eyes. I had read that uh, Look Sharp was influenced uh, by by reggae, and Joe Jackson was like totally into reggae at the time. And the first huh. couple times I listened to this album, I didn't I didn't get it. I'm like, really? But uh, this last time I listened to I, I listened to the album probably three or four times. But one of the last times I listened to it, after knowing that, I can kind of piece it together. Part of it has mm. to do with that that twingy guitar. 
And the other mm -hmm. part has to do, I think, with the base. Um, mm -hmm. So considering that, I can kind of go, yeah, I can see where it's influenced. You know, I wouldn't say it sounds like reggae, but it, it was definitely influenced by reggae. Yeah, I mean, uh, so um, in this song in particular, you know, it, it's got the 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 rhythm guitar mm -hmm. is is uh, is doing the um, the two and the four rather than the one and the three. Right. So that's like maybe that's like the 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 white boy equivalent of <laughs> reggae guitar. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> So what uh, what song did you pick off of this album? Oh, you know, okay. Let me tell you that that to me that was a bit of a it was it was a bit it was difficult, um, huh. and it it was difficult because not being a huge Joe Jackson fan, I'm like, well, how do I how do I do this? I mean, what is it I like about? And again, I can't just go, I like that one and I don't like that one. Um, I mean, I definitely do that sometimes, but but I wanted to know what is it I like about this and don't like about this. So I picked a song that to me sounded, I guess, most like that style of music, that pub rock that I like, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so uh, I picked the uh, title track, Look Sharp. Okay, what you say, tell me what they're wearing this year. know both both Sunday paper and look sharp have great lyrics I mean yeah. he is just he does not phone it in when it comes to writing lyrics on this album um, I it's it's very I mean it's not like Elvis Costello sharp and witty um, he's he it's not quite that level um, but but he's still um, he's still got a lot to say and, and is very articulate, articulate about the ideas, um, in the song, which, which I really appreciate. I mean, he, he obviously sat down with his rhyming dictionary, you know, for <laughs> yeah. many an hour when he was, when he were, he was writing these songs. And, um, I, uh, I really appreciate that. Well. Um, I, I got to say, if there's there's one thing that I learned, and, and I've learned a few things listening to this album, is that Joe Jackson is indeed a really good lyricist. I mean, he's, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, he's he's pretty sharp on the lyrics. It's true. Yeah. Well, my my favorite songs off of this album are the ones that sound the least like throwbacks to other styles and genres. You know, so the ones that kind of sound the most post-punky. Um, 
And uh, so that that means that probably my favorite song off of this album is um, the song Got the Time. Wake up, got another day to get through now. Time is a great song, Joseph. Um, amazing choice. I mean, I, I, I almost chose this as one of my as, as my pick, and uh, of course, it's got that bass that you like, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and the the pacing of the song is just really cool. You know, it starts out. I, I almost felt like it was gonna he was gonna bust into punk rock, just you know, <laughs> right away, mm-hmm. and uh, and I don't know. I loved it. I I think it's got some great energy. Yeah. Well. You, you say that on on the whole, this album feels a little sleepy, but oh. not this song. This nope, song cooks. <laughs> yeah, this is this is one of those songs that I could not get out of my head. All yeah. Week, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you know, when when I listen to this album, I just uh, because he's doing it so well, and I just go to myself, oh Joe, why couldn't you have just done this? For the whole album. The whole album, That exactly. would have been awesome. <laughs> that would have been wonderful. But I just, you know, I, I, I think that Joe Jackson stylistically is a very restless guy. I mean, we're, we're only going to cover his first three albums because he does like a hard pivot to other, other styles. I think that he's just very, very restless and would be bored just doing up an album of you know, one style of music, um, which, you know, kudos to him. He's, he's his own man and he should, he should follow his, his bliss, but it, it makes this, this album is a little, a little uneven and a little kind of all over the place. Now, what bums me out is that he releases, Joe Jackson releases, um, his two, two albums that I like the most in 1979. So when we get to the best of list for 1979, I'm afraid that those two albums, just like happened with the Buzzcocks last year, these two albums are going to split the vote. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, so I don't know. Um, I, if memory serves me, I'm the man is more compelling, but we'll find out when we when we get to it. So that is Joe Jackson's debut album called Look Sharp, released in uh, January of 1979. And we are finally playing catch up. Uh, the big hit was Is She Really Going Out With Him? Um, and I'm not even going to ask you if it's going to, make your top 10 list because (laughs) obviously it's not um 
probably won't make mine either, but I got my fingers crossed for I'm yeah. the man. Great. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing more of it, uh, more of Joe Jackson, because, uh, you know, my I'm, I'm, I'm a different person than I was back in the day, and mm -hmm. uh, my sensibilities have changed a little bit, so, you know. And, and I did like this album. It's not like I, di I didn't care for it. I, I did like it. It just generally hasn't been my thing. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's move on. Are you ready to go down the Stranger Things rabbit hole? <laughs> kind of. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, we we actually have a couple of of things, completely different topics related to the Netflix series Stranger Things. Um, so, so first of all, let's pick up a conversation that we had, I believe, in the last bonus episode, uh -huh. which is my sort of like how irritated I get at at um, period pieces of you know film <laughs> or movies where they play music that is not period appropriate, um, and so. That conversation was about a movie I saw called, I don't know, can't remember what it was called, Summer Days, Summer Nights. And they had a, they featured uh, a Cure song that wasn't going to be released for like another year and a half. Um, so we got a uh, an email from Paul and he, he t mentioned Stranger Things. So Stranger Things plays a little fast and loose with the period specific music that they use. And, you know, as I've noted before, there are, there are two different types of music. There's the, the music that is actually part of the scene. So it's playing on the radio or there's a reference to it or something. And if you get that wrong, that is like, that's a no-go. That's like a serious error. But death knell. Yeah. <laughs> then there's the the more the soundtrack music. You can kind of playing on m montages where, you know, you can kind of play a little more fast and loose about that, I guess. But the more time specific the show is, the the more jarring it is to to hear a song that is that doesn't exist yet on that time frame. So he he mentioned um, the song by um, the Bangles, The Hazy Shade of Winter, which of course is a cover uh, song from uh, Simon and Garfunkel, which wasn't released until uh, 1987, I think. Um, and of course it was on a show that was set in 1983 so uh Ooh, little it, little yeah. jarring um they they do that a number of times but i want to talk about something else uh this is even <laughs> like further down the rabbit hole yeah so yeah. i'm like one of those guys that when i see like uh, times uh, a scene in a movie or a TV show that's time specific, and then there's like 
movie posters in the background or DVDs in the background or or records or tapes or lists of songs. I always freeze frame it and see like, ooh, what are these characters listening to? Uh-huh. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, um so this is this is a reference to something that is actually not just a mood piece of music. This is something that is like part of the what you see on the screen so that you 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 don't get any like artistic license to be inconsistent about the timeline on this. So at one point in season one, there is a flashback where, oh boy, I'm so bad with names, but I, I believe that the 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 kid who gets who disappears at the, at the beginning of season one is named Will. Is that yes, right? That's correct. Okay, so Will's older brother gives him a mixtape, and this is in a flashback, right? Mm-hmm. So. Season one starts in November of 1983. So that's the very latest that this mixtape could have been made. But because it's a flashback, it was certainly made earlier than that, right? Yeah, gotcha. Um, Because this was before Will was, um, you know, was disappeared. So... I paused it and tried to read all of the the bands listed uh-huh. on this mixtape that uh, Will's older brother gave to him. And uh, I could only make out four. So there was Joy Division. Okay, 1983. That's totally kosher. Uh-huh. Bowie, obviously, and television. So all, all three of those, no problems whatsoever. Yeah. The problem comes with a fourth, ba- fourth band, which is the Smiths. Oh. Yes. So here's the thing. <laughs> the Smiths do not release their first album until, let me see, I've got it written down here, um, February of 1984. Okay. But... They released singles earlier than that. So their first single was released in May of 1983. So now we get into some really gray area because <laughs> between... So, so there's, there is a po- possible window between May and November. But we know that Will made the, the cassette before... So probably before November, we, we don't know how, how how much earlier, and I don't think that the Smiths were releasing any of those singles in the United States that early, and even if they were, you got to think about Will's older brother. So they are in Indiana, in bumfuck Indiana, <laughs> right? He, this guy has, we know he has no friends. So how he could possibly have come across a Smith single that early, um, I just, it seems inconceivable. It is technically possible, but it is 
I consider it an error. Uh -huh. And so this is just, this is what I do with my brain. So, so <laughs> let me, let me, let me get this right. This is a show about young kids, young people in the eighties dealing with monsters and aliens. Yeah. And that's the weird thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's you your perspective say. on it. <laughs> yeah, it <right. laughs> to, to me, it's a show about kids in the early 80s listening to cool music. That's right. <laughs> hey, there's no there's no need for you to suspend your disbelief on that subject. You're absolutely <laughs> right. <laughs> so anyways, um, yeah, that's that's I probably spent more time thinking about that than thinking about any of the other elements of Stranger Things. Although Almost I like Stranger element. Things. Have, have you sure. seen the uh, the new season? I have not, no. It's um, pretty good. Yeah, everybody in my household has been tied up doing something else, so we're kind of waiting yeah. for a time we can all sit down and watch it together. But yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, it, it may be the... Uh, my favorite season of of the series. I mean, it's kind of hard to tell because when, you know, season one was just like completely unexpected. And so I was totally into it. But yeah. Um, and so I, I can't recreate that experience. But um, it is season four is far better than season two or three i think nice. i like it a lot uh which brings us to the second um stranger things uh, uh t topic that we're going to cover today and that is the fact kate bush is having herself a moment isn't she <laughs> so kate bush is in the news again apparently she's on the charts what <laughs> yep yeah thanks thanks to stranger things huh. Yeah, I have I have heard two pieces on NPR and uh, a third piece on some other some other radio show. So, um, yeah. So this the song "Running Up the Hill," which is Kate Bush's here in the United States, definitely Kate Bush's most famous song, uh -huh. um, featured prominently in. Season four, I'm not going to give anything away. I'm very okay. careful about spoilers, but it is, it's not just an incidental piece of music. It is a, like a kind of a major plot point. Um, and it comes up several times. And I guess because of that, um, it's just getting a lot of attention, a lot of, um, uh, play a lot of streams i i think that's probably where the uh, how it's charting is because it's just streamy getting streamed a lot yeah. which i think is great i mean yeah. any any exposure any more love for for kate bush the world is a better place because of it yeah you know um i mentioned uh last time we were talking about kate bush this friend of mine that sent us a copy of he, he made these like Ouija boards that were Kate mm -hmm. Bush themed and of course as soon as this season of Stranger Things dropped he got so many requests for this this spirit board this Ouija board 
Well, he had to make a whole new batch because he sold out of the last the last set. So he made a new batch, and apparently, and, and he made a lot. He ran out within 20 minutes. People were ordering wow. left and right. I, I think he's just come to the uh, the realization that it's a thing he needs to just produce on a math level you know <laughs> well so. you know you gotta you gotta make hay while the sun shines for sure i mean yeah. there's definitely going to be a window um of of demand for that so hopefully he can turn that around quick enough yeah for sure yeah i i i the only thing about i mean i i think this is great Lo, you know more love to kate bush is is a good thing i i'm a little bit bummed that it is her most famous song. Um, you know, I I like Running Up the Hill. That that was the song that introduced me to Kate Bush. Uh-huh. Um, it was the song that got me to go out and buy the Hounds of Love. Uh-huh. Um, but it is by no means my favorite Kate Bush song. Uh, probably wouldn't make... My, Almost certainly wouldn't make my top ten Kate Bush songs. Would be somewhere in the top twenty, though. Gotcha. Um, <clears throat> so since we're talking about Kate Bush, there, but there is absolutely no need to play "Running Up That Hill" um, <laughs> because everybody knows it by heart at this point. Um, yeah. <laughs> but we never pass an opportunity to to feature a Kate Bush song for sure so I thought let's listen to another song off the Hounds of Love that should that I actually like more and I I I just feel like deserves more love than it than it's ever gotten I think it was actually released um as one of the follow-up hits uh, but here in the United States didn't get much traction I love it. I think it's like weird and sweet and mysterious and kind of creepy all at the same time. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And that is that is a song called Cloud Bursting. Bush is ethereal. That's a, that's a word that we need to remember to use when we talk about her, uh, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> so um, I just want to say that that 
hooray for Stranger Things and for Kate Bush. Uh, for Kate Bush for being out there and Stranger Things for bringing her back to, you know, to the charts for one thing. I, I mean, did this song, this song didn't chart before, right? Or, well, there probably wasn't even a chart for her before. I guess, I don't know. I guess there oh, was. Oh, yeah. But... No, it, it charted. It charted it? here in the United States um, yeah, okay. at the time. It was, uh, you know, it was uh, a, just a, a staple on new wave pop radio for gotcha. a period. I, I don't know how high it got here in the United States. And I'm sure that it did quite well in yeah. the UK and in Europe as as well. Yeah, um, cool. Yeah, well, good. Yeah. Good for I mean, good for both of them for connecting and <laughs> you know coming back into uh, into everybody's lives. I I think now since Stranger Things season four, right? You've only mm-hmm. you've only gotten the first half of the season. Maybe what mm-hmm. they need to do, and I think this is this is something that you might benefit from, is if they put Nick Lowe in the last <laughs> season what? or last of the Stop. season someplace. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> All right, but but yeah, I love I love Kate Bush. I'm 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 definitely a fan now, and I'm I'm, I'm so appreciative. <laughs> Dude, now you just bummed me out. Oh no, <laughs> it won't happen. Don't worry about yep. it. So hooray to Kate Bush for for getting um, more love. Um, she always deserves it. Let's move on to Wire. So Wire has a new release coming out. Um, I think it's the last week of this month. Kind of an unusual one. It is not. Um, it's not new stuff, but it kind of is. So. Yeah. There was a bootleg that that circulated around. Um, uh, of wire a bunch of wire demos um, from their their 70s phase called um, not about to die and so what wire is doing is they're actually they're actually officially releasing that as an album but they've remastered all the demos and to um, kind of whet everybody's appetite, they have already released a single. So this is a, a demo that I believe was written uh, with the intention of including on their second album, but didn't make the cut. And I'm not sure why, because this is an excellent song. Yeah. Um, Let's listen to um, "Stepping Off Too Quick," and then, uh, and then we can discuss it a little bit. Step two. track I've heard of this album and um, 
listening to it, there's something fresh about it. You know, it yeah. definitely sounds yep. like a fresh track. Yep. However, I was I was thinking, wait, I, and I knew nothing about the album. I'm thinking, wait a minute, this sounds kind of fresh, but this sounds like old wire. And that's when, of course, you know, I found out that, yeah, this is stuff that they're remastering. It is amazing. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. This is a wire yeah. that I really enjoy. Yeah, me too. I mean, it was so my experience was kind of the same when I first heard this. I had no, I just knew that it was a, a new release. Um, and so I listened to it and went, oh my God, I really like this. Like, I was excited that they were kind of going back to to their roots and then of yeah. course I realized that it was it was a demo from back then. I like their their new stuff but um it's just doesn't quite have the vitality of of something like this. Um so so it is I am really excited about hearing hearing the the full album wasn't aware that the bootleg existed um had of course never heard it so um i am i am waiting uh with bated breath to hear the whole thing and if it is as good as this song then you know best case scenario is it is the fourth wire album released in the 70s which would be Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. All right, Rob. Well, um, I think, well, we definitely went through everything that I had on my list that I wanted to cover um, tonight. Anything else that you want to add? No. I, I you know, I, I think we covered it all. Um, uh, I, I I don't know. It was just kind of cool to come in and do a bonus bonus episode for everybody. I I enjoyed it. Mhm. Mhm. Hey, uh I want to remind everybody that um of the importance of going to Apple Podcasts and writing a review if if you already haven't done so. Uh so this is this really helps with our visibility um because it helps uh the mysterious algorithms that that work behind the scenes uh, as far as helping us with get onto the charts and thus get more visibility because we pop up in searches higher um, really affected by written reviews so um, if you haven't if you've gotten this far in a bonus track you are obviously pretty serious listener if you haven't written a review we we uh ask we ask so little of you but we do ask <laughs> that you uh go and spend a couple of minutes write one or two sentences um and leave us a review uh, helps immensely with our visibility we Absolutely. we continue to grow but the the growth has slowed down a little bit and so we want to like goose it all goose it by getting those reviews so um if you like like the the this episode and this podcast uh please do us a solid and do that Whew, that was probably the grovelly groveliest 
I've ever gotten in one of those. <laughs> did the did the, did the, did the sound of my desperation come through? <laughs> I think it came through appropriately. I think it'll I think it'll work. <laughs> or don't. We don't really care. <laughs> Um, Rob, you want to remind everybody how they can get all of us? Yeah, absolutely. You can catch us on Instagram at Deep Dives Deep Cuts. You can catch us on Facebook too at the same place. Um, we keep up with uh, posting all the newest episodes that are coming out and all kinds of fun stuff, uh, music related. You can also drop us an email at deepdives.deepcuts at gmail.com. Um, and, and, oh yes, I think also we might as well mention yet again, go to Apple podcast and leave us a review. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah. I had to do a little groveling myself. It was just a little <laughs> bit, but I had to do it. So anyway, yeah, there you go. Well, we definitely have one more episode, um, coming out this month. That is the Patty Smith deep dive Still a big question mark about our guest. So we may have a really exciting guest or it may be just the two of us. Um, things are not quite falling into place the way that we anticipated. But in, nonetheless, we will have an engaging conversation about her yeah. catalog. Listen yeah. to some great music. Um, I know it's going to be a journey for me, which I'm, which I'm really excited about. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it as, uh, forward to it as well. Okay. All right. Well, Rob, thanks so much for joining me in this emergency session to, uh, right the wrong, the, the, the grievous oversight of not including look sharp in the appropriate uh, episode so we are we are righting our wrongs and um, I will talk to you soon I guess all right thanks Joseph that was a great time appreciate it Oh, <laughs>